leads to life. Our gospel lesson comes from John uh, chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. Would you please stand? And it's coming from the Common English uh, Bible. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, I have come into the world to exercise judgment so that those who don't see can see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard what he said and asked, Surely we aren't blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But now that you say we, we see, your sins remain. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to a time of children's message, on this day at 11 o'clock, we will be blessed with a baptism. So I wanted to share a particular story, a particular book with you about baptism. I hope you'll indulge me. It's called Baptized in the Water. Baptism is a beautiful, uh, holy and mysterious gift. When water is poured on a person and prayers are said, promises are made, just like 2,000 years ago when Jesus stepped into the waters of the River Jordan. That day he was baptized by a man called John, and something amazing happened. The heavens opened up, and a white dove flew gently down, and God said, This one is my son. I am so pleased with him. Can you imagine God smiling on that day? Baptized in the water, dove flies from above, Jesus in the river, covered with God's love. Ever since Jesus was baptized, Christians all around the world, they've chosen, too, to be baptized. Every time a baptism happens, God smiles and then whispers, This one is my son. This one is my daughter. I am so pleased with them. When we're baptized, it's a sign we're part of a God great family. There are different ways to be baptized, but the meaning is all the same. We belong to God. The water makes us clean and new. Baptized in the water, a gift for me and you, a sign that we belong to God, it makes us clean and new. Sometimes parents bring babies to the church to be baptized. They want everyone to know that this child belongs to God. And the pastor sprinkles or pours on the baby's head, and everyone, that includes you all, promises to love that little one, teach them about God. Now, the baby won't remember that day, but the parents never forget it. 
baptized in the water. We promise and sing and pray. The little one brought forward, it's the baby's special day. Sometimes older children or adults decide they'd like to be baptized, and they go right under the water sometimes. They want everyone to know they belong to God. Baptized in the water like Jesus long ago, God's Holy Spirit dances as the water gently flows. But you don't need to be baptized in a church. Some people are baptized in a river just like Jesus was, or a lake, or even an ocean, baptized in the water, gathered by a lake. God hears our songs and prayers, each promise that we make. No matter where we're baptized, in a church, or a lake, or a river, what matters is we're joined, one human family, each one of us, belongs God. Baptized in the water, held in God's great care, one family joined together, young and old, everywhere. No matter how we're baptized, whether we're covered by water, sprinkled, or poured, what matters is we're covered in God's great love and grace. When we're baptized, God's love pours over us just like water, and God smiles and whispers, You are my son. You are my daughter. I am pleased with you. Baptized in the water, covered by God's grace. We are God's sons and daughters in every time and place. Friends, as we today prepare for a baptism, You may not have the chance. Maybe you'll come back at 11. I don't know. But you may not have the chance to be present. But you, too, are a part of this little one coming in to the family of God. And we give thanks for your baptisms and the baptism of this little one. We're baptized in the water and covered by God's grace. Would you pray with me and ask God to help us? Dear God, we thank you for baptism. Bless us as we respond to your grace. Amen. There was a woman by the name of Vesta Stout And she was uh, working in a factory in Amboy, Illinois, ammunition plant back in the 1940s. And she was the one who had the idea for duct tape. Did you ever wonder who made duct tape? I'll tell you about it. So she had uh, seen soldiers, including her own sons, struggling to open the munition boxes that were sealed with wax and with tape. And apparently water was getting in these boxes. And Stout used cotton duck fabric with a crisscross pattern, I'm assuming you've seen duct tape before, with an adhesive that repelled water. 
It was so effective that she wrote President Franklin Delano Roosevelt about the idea. She had a little moxie about her, I think. And she heard back from the War Production Board that Johnson & Johnson was going to be utilizing her concept. The tape was originally described as having the properties of a duck, like a duck's back, water kind of flows off of it. And that's why the original brand was duck, D-U-C-K, duck tape. During the war, the military took off with all the applications, World War II, for how it could be used. And after World War II, people used it for lots of reasons. Sometimes, at least in my house, we say, is it duck tape or duct tape? Apparently, the answer is yes. It can be used on ducks and pipes. It also was made by a company called duck. It holds things together, not just windows and pipes, but packages. And apparently, it was also used to bandage wounds yeah, I feel that way too, in World War II. <laughs> but it's also used for decorations and arts. Duct Tape Today runs a contest, did y'all know this thing? Every year and gives a scholarship to high school students who produce the most creative prom looks. If your high school students need a scholarship, apparently you can make a prom tux or a prom dress, and some of the designs will truly surprise you. Those flowers are made all of duct tape, if you're curious. Yeah, all of which will truly hold something together. During these seven weeks, between Easter and Pentecost, you and I have been talking about what holds us together. In this series on what holds us together, we've been using two sets of images. One is these everyday, ordinary kind of household objects, the kind that fix and mend our lives. And we've been pairing it with the Apostles' Creed. The, the scaffolding and framework for the church universal for centuries and generations. And we know that diversity is our strength in a world that tells us when we're not completely in sync politically or socially or racially or religiously or theologically or culturally, we have to defend ourselves. War and conflict have often been these results. Today, we hear this affirmation. We believe in one holy Catholic church. Now, hold on a minute. Let me tell you what that means. Catholic, yes, refers to universal, meaning the whole body of believers in the way of Jesus. When you and I say that we believe in one holy Catholic church, we are saying that we don't just believe in those who are here right in this very moment, in the Stroudsburg United Methodist Church, or in any United Methodist Church around the world. We are saying we believe in a church or a body of believers that can, 
anywhere around the world that follows Jesus. Those who will come after us, those who have gone before us, those all around the world. It's a confession. It's an affirmation that the universal church encompasses time and it encompasses space. There is plenty that could divide us as a universal church. We may not agree on points of theology, what we know about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, or even how best to be the church. Let's not talk about colors of carpet. However, we could affirm, and we should, how the Holy Catholic Church is held together, I'm going to say it by duct tape. I imagine that God's grace is that which intercedes between our division. Yes, I'm saying that I think grace is like duct tape. It holds us together. The church has constantly been pushing the edges of itself and needs those who would explore what comes next, as well as those who say, how are we holding to the mission? How are we holding to what we've always said we would do? Here is the Acts chapter that Cliff read for us. Acts is a collection of action stories of what happened in the early church before the believers were called Christians, when they were still called the followers of the way. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit and they started preaching, there were many who followed. There were devout Jews, and there were Ethiopians. There were Samaritans, and there were Greeks. And this caused conflict. Will the church welcome everyone who calls on the name of the Lord? Like the new convert Paul said? Whether they're Jew or whether they're Gentile? Or like Peter, you know, he was kind of of the old guard, say, does everyone need to be a Jew first? And then become a Christian. So here's the backstory. In the previous chapter of Acts, we met Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, a commander of legions in the Roman army that was occupying Israel. Now, Cornelius is not Jewish, not by ethnicity and not by religion. And if he were to convert, he would lose his job. He cannot convert, but he is devout and he is God-fearing. And he has a vision to go and find Peter. And he's a military man. So he knows when someone tells him to go and do a thing, he goes and he does a thing. So he sends some servants to go and find Peter. Our God always works in parallel. So at the same time, God is sending Peter his very own vision. Peter is praying on the roof and we heard some of this, sends down a sheet of animals that are ritually unclean, and the voice of God tells Peter to get up and to eat these unclean animals. Peter says no, but God insists. Three times, three times this happens. Peter knows the rules. Peter teaches the rules. Peter quotes the rules at length. 
But when it happens the third time, something clicks for Peter. Now, friends, it has often taken Peter three times. <laughs> it took Peter three times for the cock to crow, three times to say, I love you, three times for will you feed my sheep, three times it takes for Peter. Right at that moment, we have the three men, just going to say it, approaching Peter, asking for him to go and see Cornelius because he wants to know about Jesus. Cornelius is a Gentile, and Peter is now beginning to understand. The whole house is filled with Gentiles, but Peter goes anyway. Peter hears that Cornelius' faith has taken off, and he wants to know the living God. Peter begins to, to say he's hedging his bets a little bit here. It's, it's unlawful for me to be here, a Jew, with all of these Gentiles. Religious folks have some rules sometimes. They like to quote. But Peter keeps going. He says this, God has taught me something new. God showed me that I can't call unclean, and so I came. He tells the story of Pentecost, and then he says this, I truly understand that God shows no impartiality under every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Right there. The universal church is born, the Holy Catholic Church. In one sentence, the table is broadened and everything changes. Now, all the details weren't worked out. <laughs> there was plenty that was going to need to be figured out, but the Holy Spirit was at work in one sentence. And like on the day of Pentecost, the movement of the Spirit was visible. They gathered and they praised God, and I don't know if you caught it, but there was baptism right there in that moment. Who can stand in the way of God? When the old guard heard that the Gentiles were accepted and unclean food was eaten, there was an uproar. The question of the day was Jews and Gentiles, and it was divisive, and it was painful, it split the church for a while. And there were those who said, we weren't ready for this. And there were those who said, yes, we were. We were always ready for this. You know, for years, I heard folks say, is the church ready for a woman pastor? <laughs> I heard it just this week, somebody asked me, are you sure the church it wasn't here. Are you sure the church is ready? I said, tell you. Are you sure the church is ready for a woman pastor? And churches kept asking, even when God called women and equipped them and sent them. The church asks plenty of other questions as well. Is the church ready for this or for that? Is the church ready to open our doors? Is the church ready? Let us remember, we come from a long line of people who just aren't ready. 
And Acts reminds us of our history. And from the beginning, we love rules. As we affirm one holy and Catholic church, we also serve with humanity. There are Corneliuses who have always been outside the mainstream who God has spoken to. There have been Pauls to whom God has converted. And there have been Peters who have been there since the beginning and are still figuring it out. And we need all of those to work together, to listen for the voice of God. We need all of those. Today, we will baptize a little one. This is Jack. This little one here is Jack. And in, in bapti baptism, we are reminded that God names us and God claims us, and we belong to a community of faith. It is one holy and Catholic church, universal. And each one of us, whether we feel a little bit more like Cornelius or Paul or Peter, makes a promise to live a life that'll show this little one and a whole bunch more how to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. We embody faith and hope and love so that Jack will grow up to trust God and live love's service in the world. And we say we'll pray for him on his journey of discipleship because our lives of faith, they impact other people. You know, when Vesta Stout developed duct tape, it was a solution for her sons. It was a mother's heart that in war, she was willing to write anyone, even the president, to make something happen. God's church, the universal one, the one into whom Jack is becoming a beloved child, the one that you all belong, it's expansive and it's broad. God sends visions and whispers dreams, not just to one or to two, but to God's people, and reminds us even today, who are we to stand in the way of God? This is the gospel, friends. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.